Hillary Clinton is back and she is worse than ever. Plus, Rex Tillerson is out. It's time for Rexit. As well, Republicans in the House are about to try to vindicate Trump on the Russian collusion stuff. We'll talk about all of these things and much, much more. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Rex Mortuus Est. It means the king is dead, but it also means that Rex Tillerson is out. So he's the Secretary of State, but not anymore. He's no longer the Secretary of State. He was fired this morning via tweet in perfectly Trumpian fashion. We'll get to all of that. Uh, So many things to talk about today. So many great things. Trump is also visiting California, and he's visiting the wall prototypes because this is something that we do now. All right. I mean, sure. It's funny. I'll talk about all those things. Plus, uh, just a bunch. But first, I want to say thank you to my sponsors over at Birch Gold. So, does it seem like things are volatile? Like, you don't know what's going on. Like, things may be slightly chaotic. Of course it does, because they are, which is why you need to at least take some of your money and put it into precious metals. That's where my friends at Birch Gold come in. Right now, thanks to a little-known IRS tax law, you can even move your IRA or, or eligible 401k into an IRA-backed by physical gold and silver. It's perfect for people who want to protect their hard-earned savings from inflation and from the volatility of the stock market. Birch Gold Group are the people you should trust. They have a long-standing track record of continued success, thousands of satisfied clients, countless five-star reviews, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Contact Birch Gold Group right now and request a free information kit on physical precious metals. It's a comprehensive 16-page kit, and it reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings, how you can legally move that IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA. Ask all your questions, and then once you feel comfortable, talk to my friends over at Birch Gold. If you want that kit, that no-cost, no-obligation kit, go to birchgold.com slash Ben. That's birchgold.com slash Ben. Use that slash Ben so that they know that we sent you. Again, they're the folks that I trust with my precious metals investing. All right. So we begin today with the ouster of Rex Tillerson. As I say, the the Oedipus Rex, Tyrannosaurus Rex, the Rexit, he's gone. Okay. So uh, Rex Tillerson was always a crappy secretary of state. He was on a complete disconnect with the president of the United States. Uh, The president did not care in the slightest what Rex Tillerson had to say about anything. Like anything. Like if Rex Tillerson ordered ordered a steak for dinner, then President Trump would send it back and get a, a hamburger. I mean, this is just the way it went with him and Rex Tillerson. They never got along. Uh, Tillerson always wanted to run foreign policy. Trump didn't want any part of that. You recall that President Trump actually tweeted out in the middle of Rex Tillerson talking with the North Koreans that Rex Tillerson should not talk with the North Koreans. See, the nice thing about Trump and, you know, one of the great fears is that Trump was going to run a secret agenda when he was president. We weren't going to know what he was thinking. And then there's this thing called Twitter where it's legitimately just him vomiting his thoughts on Twitter. So it's not like there's a big secret about Rex Tillerson. He doesn't like the guy. He thinks that Rex Tillerson's a schmuck, which is true. Rex Tillerson was basically marginalized inside his own State Department. No one cared what he had to say. On Tuesday morning, the president tweeted out his firing of Rex Tillerson because this is the way you should totally get rid of cabinet-level officers is by tweeting out that they're gone. And then they look around and go, wait, what? Now? Huh? So this is also how he got rid of James Comey, as you recall. He had him fired in the middle of an event for the FBI out on the West Coast. The president of the United States running the government by by Twitter. Listen, I'm happy with the move. I didn't like Rex Tillerson. I think he's a terrible secretary of state. I think he's been utterly, utterly useless. Uh, All of the good moves the Trump administration has made have been made in spite of Tillerson's opinion. Tillerson has been marginalized in the process for a very long time. So Trump tweeted this out. This is 18, right? So, so So what he tweeted out is that the... It was this. Mike Pompeo, director of the CIA, will become our new secretary of state. He will do a fantastic job. Thank you to Rex Tillerson for his service. Gina Haspel will become the new director of the CIA and the first woman so chosen. Congratulations to all. Well, I mean, not all, right? Congratulations to everybody except for Rex Tillerson, who's now out of a job. <laughs> so apparently Tillerson had no idea 
that he was actually going to be fired. Apparently, so the Washington Post reported that Rex Tillerson was told that he was on the ropes as of last Friday. Now, the reason that's important is because yesterday, Rex Tillerson did a whole press campaign about how terrible Russia was. And he was talking specifically about how the Russian government had killed, apparently, uh, an, ex-Soviet, an ex-Russian spy in Great Britain, and the UK was targeting Russia over this. And Tillerson said, yeah, the Russians killed this spy as well as one other person, and, they are, and they're in our crosshairs. And then the White House backed off of that. They said, no, 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 you know, we'll, we'll look at it. Maybe we'll kind of look at it right here. Here was Trump today, for example, talking about Russia getting the facts straight. This is clip 17. Yeah, as soon as we get the facts straight, and we're going to be speaking with the British today, we're speaking with Theresa May today, and as soon as we get the facts straight, if we agree with them, we will condemn Russia or whoever it may be. But I have not spoken to her. I'll speak to her sometime today. Okay, so, uh, the, so again, that, that seems pretty soft on Russia. Uh, but what people were assuming is that because Tillerson was harsh on Russia yesterday and Trump didn't want to be harsh on Russia, he fired Tillerson. That's total nonsense. That's not why he axed Tillerson. Tillerson's been on the chopping block for a long time. John Bolton was in the Oval Office like last week. People have been expecting Tillerson to be gone for literally months. And then Trump would tweet out every so often, no, I love Rex, he's staying, which is always code for we're going to get rid of him as soon as we possibly can. So here was Trump actually explaining why he got rid of Rex Tillerson. And this rings sort of true. This is clip 19. Rex and I have been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we we got along actually quite well, but we disagreed on things. When you look at uh, the Iran deal, I think it's terrible. I guess he fit, it was okay. I wanted to either break it or do something, and he felt a little bit differently. So we were not really thinking the same. Rex is a very good man. I like Rex a lot. I really appreciate his commitment and his service. And I'll be speaking to Rex over a long period of time. Okay, so what that really means is I will never talk to Rex again. I hate that guy's guts. He's the worst. Also, I sent him away because I don't agree with him about anything. That's the, that's the actual read on Trump when he says, I'll be speaking to Rex for a very long period of time. You didn't speak for him for a full year after you appointed him as Secretary of State. So I'm going to go no on that. Rex Tillerson, now Mike Pompeo is in. That's actually a very good move for the administration. Mike Pompeo is much more pro-Israel. He's much more anti-Iran. Uh, he's one of the leading voices during the Obama administration criticizing Obama for not using the phrase radical Islamic terrorism. He and Trump seem to be very much on the same page on foreign policy, which is good. The president of the United States and the secretary of state should be on the same page with regard to foreign policy. Now, uh, Trump says that he's getting close to the cabinet he wants, which is kind of hilarious since the president picks his own cabinet. Right? This is sort of like saying that you ordered at a restaurant um, and you're getting very close to the order that you want. Well, no, that's that like what you, you like you made the cabinet, dude. But here's Trump saying that he's getting close uh, to which Jeff Sessions said close, but no cigar. <laughs> I mean, there are a bunch of people who are still on Trump's hit list inside the cabinet. Here was Trump talking about how uh, how he is now perfecting his cabinet, which is true. OK, Pompeo is better than Tillerson. You know, a lot of people very well over the last year. And I'm really at a point where we're getting very close to having the cabinet and other things that I want. I don't know what the other things are. Is it like a horse or what? But it, but I like that he is making his cabinet better. Okay, Tillerson being gone uh, is a good thing. Again, the president was also running over Tillerson's head with regard to North Korean policy. He was running over his head with regard to Russian policy. It doesn't make sense to have a secretary of state who is not doing what you want him to do. The president is the secretary of state's boss. He can get rid of him. Although, again, it's kind of a gutless move to get rid of him on Twitter as opposed to calling him up and saying, listen, Rex, thanks for your service. You're out. The dirty little secret about Trump is that he actually doesn't like firing people. He likes to make his underlings fire people. He got famous for going on TV and saying you fired, but he doesn't actually like doing that. That was just for the cameras.
In reality, Trump is very hesitant about firing people. He tends to make them resign, or he tries to pressure them to resign, like Jeff Sessions, or he will fire them through Twitter, or uh, all this other stuff. The reason that matters is because a feeling of chaos within the Trump administration does not quiet the worries of the American people. If you just looked at the policy coming out of the Trump administration, as I've been saying for a long time, I like a lot of the policy. But the American people feel uneasy with President Trump. They feel uneasy because they feel like he is a, he is a whirlwind of chaos, mainly because he is a whirlwind of chaos. I mean, the same day that he gets rid of Rex Tillerson, John McEntee, who's the longtime personal assistant to Trump, was abruptly escorted out of the White House in another dramatic staff change. So he was the trip director for Trump's campaign. He'd be like the guy who brought Trump a Sharpie when it was time to sign something. He was his body man. Apparently, he was fired, according to CNN, because he's under investigation by the Department of Homeland Security for serious financial crimes, a source told the network. A source familiar with his firing told the network the circumstances were not related to Trump. He was actually removed so quickly that he left without his jacket, and somebody had to go back in for his jacket. So he was ejected from the White House. <laughs> and then, and then... The most hilarious thing is that he was immediately hired by the Trump campaign. So as soon as the story comes out that he might be dirty and there's a problem with him, then all of a sudden he is immediately hired by the Trump campaign. Other people joining the Trump campaign. I love this. Katrina Pearson. Yep, she's back and she's joining the Trump campaign once again. The greatest spokesperson of all time, which means that we'll have many more hours of analyzing funny video to come in future episodes of the Ben Shapiro show. So we're very excited about the rehiring of Katrina Pearson. Very, very solid stuff. Uh, there's been a lot of turnover, uh, uh, apparently, inside the, the Trump staff. Uh, John Kelly, obviously, removing the, the security clearances for a lot of folks inside Trump staff. The reason all this is a problem, again, is when there's a perception of chaos that actually has consequences politically. So the president always loses seats in off-year elections. Okay, it's very rare that doesn't happen. The last time that it happened was 2002. Uh, so presidents always lose seats in off-year elections. The question is how many seats the Republicans are actually going to lose in 2018. They right now have a 23-seat majority in the House. If they lose any more than that, they lose the majority. There are apparently 37 open Republican seats. Republicans who have either retired, resigned, or moved on to other positions. Uh, there are, I think, 12 to 14 Democratic seats uh, in, that, that are available in the same way. One of the bellwethers is supposed to happen tonight. So one of the hot pieces of news is that tonight, uh, there's an election in Pennsylvania's 18th Congressional District. Now, this thing is an interim election. It's only going to last for like the next couple of months. But the contest is happening in a district that Trump won by 20 points, and it pits GOP candidate Rick Saccone, a member of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives, against a much younger Democrat named Connor Lamb, who's a former federal prosecutor and a Marine. Again, Trump won this district going away, and no Democrat has run a competitive race in this district in two decades. The closest selection of the last eight races was 15 points separating the Republican from the Democrat. But Tim Murphy, who is the Republican, resigned from his seat after news broke that he'd impregnated his then mistress and allegedly told her to get an abortion. So he resigned and that left the seat open. Well, right now, the Democrat is slightly favored to win the seat. And you can tell there's a lot of uh, heartache and heartburn inside the Republican in the halls of power. The president of the United States threw Saccone under the bus the other day. He said he's a bad candidate. I mean, he's not a great candidate, but he's not like a, a Roy Moore type disaster candidate. Rick Saccone, um, but it doesn't matter. Saccone will probably lose, or at the very least, it will be a very competitive race in a district that shouldn't have a competitive race. And here's the problem. This is being used as an indicator for future results in 2018. Democrats have done really well in special elections across the country. So Trump has said, listen, we're winning districts all over the country. All these special elections have still gone to Republicans. Right, but that's not the question. The question is how much the vote has shifted since 2016, between 2016 and 2017, or 2016 and 2018. And the answer is quite a lot. So in just a second, I'm going to give you the statistical breakdown on exactly how all of this goes down. But first, 
I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at My Patriot Supply. So building an emergency food storage plan is the cornerstone of preparedness. And everybody in the office is doing that with the experts at My Patriot Supply. Right now is the time for you to build that foundation. Make sure that you are safe in case of natural disaster, in case of man-made disaster. You don't want to be stuck in your house with no access to food. And that's why you can get the Ben Shapiro special offer from My Patriot Supply today. Buy one four-week emergency food kit for just 198 bucks and you get one free as well. So it's a buy one, get one free deal. These kits normally sell for 217 bucks, which means the two of them would sell for $434. Purchase one right now at the low sale price of 198, and My Patriot Supply will send you an additional four-week food kit for free. So pretty solid deal. You buy it once, you never have to worry about it again because these things last 25 years in storage. Includes breakfast, lunches, dinners, package in a rugged slimline tote. Call 888-803-1413. That's 888-803-1413 or order online at preparewithben.com. There's a purchase limit of two per order, and supplies are limited, so do it now. You know, this is the last time we're going to be mentioning this really, really solid offer. 888-803-1413. That's 888-803-1413, or preparewithben.com. Again, don't get caught off guard. Preparewithben.com uh, is, the, is the place to go when you're looking to prepare your family in case of disaster. And again, this is not a lot of money to spend to protect your family. You toss it in a closet, you forget about it until disaster strikes, at which point you're the only guy in the neighborhood who is actually prepared. Preparewithben.com for that special offer. Uh, buy one, get one free, four-week emergency food kit, 198 bucks. All right, so here's how the statistics break down and how Democrats have been doing uh, in districts across the country in these special elections. So the answer is uh, they've been doing quite well. Okay, so in 2017, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, there were seven special elections in 2017. Okay, the partisan lean in these districts went something like this. California 34th was a D plus 69 district, meaning that it's a huge gap between Republicans and Democrats. The Kansas 4th was R plus 29. Montana at large was R plus 21. Georgia 6th was R plus 9. South Carolina 5th was R plus 19. Utah 3rd was R plus 35. And Alabama U.S. Senate was R plus 29. Right? How did it actually swing? So Republicans won all of the seats they were supposed to win, but the swing was enormous. So Kansas 4th, as I say, it's an R plus 29 district normally. That race was only won by the Republican by six points. That's a 23-point swing in favor of Democrats. Montana, 16-point swing. Georgia, sixth, six-point swing. South Carolina, fifth, 16-point swing. Utah, third, three-point swing. Alabama U.S. Senate, of course, was won by the actual Democrat, and that was a 31-point swing. So that means, on average, you are talking about a 16-point swing in favor of Democrats. If that, holds, if that holds true, there's no question Republicans lose the House. If that sort of turnout holds true... Democrats are energized. Republicans are frankly not. And in Pennsylvania, uh, the candidate there has stopped campaigning on the tax cuts because apparently that's not actually getting one out, anybody out to vote. Instead, the candidate is campaigning on cultural issues, which makes a lot of sense and gives the lie to the idea that Republicans are going to win based on the state of the economy or based on policy victories. People do not win elections based on policy victories, not in today's day and age. Unfortunately, they win based on culture war issues. And culture war issues are where Republicans do have an advantage because the Democrats are so off the reservation when it comes to the culture war. The Democrats are the ones pushing intersectional politics. The Democrats are the ones suggesting that, Repu that Republicans and Republican voters are stupid and nasty and poor. It, it, we'll, we'll get to Hillary Clinton in just a second because it really is incredible what Democrats are saying about Republicans. But again, this is why uh, a lot of the this is why uh, a lot of the chaos inside the Trump administration matters. The more you the more you worry. Uh, about the president of the United States, the more you want to check on the president of the United States. Trump, again, already blaming uh, Saccone for preemptive loss. There's no reason to think any generic Republican should have lost the seat in any case. Uh, so we'll keep our eyes, obviously, on the Pennsylvania 18th and give you all of the updates there.
But that said, again, this breaks down along two lines. The Trump administration is improving. Uh, there is better news coming out of the Trump administration. Uh, the, the staffing is better over there. They are cleaning house. But that, that propensity toward a feeling of, of, of chaos continues. Now, speaking of the culture war, Vice President Mike Pence uh, is an emissary of the culture war. And I'm telling you, Mike Pence, what he has to say about Joy Behar uh, from The View is much more important to voters, believe it or not, than even the tax cut. So Joy Behar, of course, went on national television and said that Mike Pence uh, is a crazy person for saying that God speaks to him. And then she had to apologize. Here's what Pence had to say about it on Hannity's show last night on Fox News. Uh, when, when I heard that ABC had a program uh, where my Christian faith had been described as a mental illness, I thought it was important for me to speak out, not on my own behalf. You and I know that criticism comes with public life, but I felt it was important that I defend the faith of tens of millions of Americans against, against that kind of slander. Okay, he is right, and it's one of the reasons why Democrats have been losing in the culture wars. It's also one of the reasons why President Trump is out in California visiting the border wall. So in just a second, I'm going to show you the actual President Trump pictures at the border wall. He, he got on, on the helicopter uh, and now he's getting on Air Force One. He's flying all the way out to California so that he can come to a photo op with a bunch of concrete. Uh, and we have some pictures, actually. We have some, some video of the Trump wall prototypes that President Trump will be visiting today in California. Again, he is he, one, two, three, four. He declares a culture war. Again, the, the idea here is that when you declare culture war, you're more likely to be successful than if you campaign on policy because people vote on the basis of character, not on the basis of policy. Here is what the border wall prototypes look like that President Trump will be visiting when he comes out to Los Angeles. Now, what it does seem like for people who can't see, there's a bunch of different border wall prototypes. It looks sort of like if you're going to shop for linoleum at your local furniture, at your local furniture emporiums like Home Depot. Um, but I, I will say there's a major problem with these border wall prototypes. There are giant holes between them. It looks like the, the illegal immigrants can just run right through them. I and mean, frankly, it looks like they can just drive a bus right between there. So I hope that they fix that before they actually implement. I hope the president comes and makes clear that the border walls actually should be pushed together. I don't know who did this, but whoever did that should be fired. I mean, it's just terrible. It's just, okay, I'm joking, people. I know, I know. These are just prototypes. Okay, so the president is going to come out here. He's going to show that he likes the border wall. We all know that. He's hoping to get the Republican base ginned up. In that way, he will probably do so because Democrats will respond to this by saying it's just terrible. How could Trump visit a bunch of concrete? Look at this photo op. He hates immigrants, racist, racist, racist. And then Democrats will shoot themselves in the foot. Now, speaking of shooting themselves in the foot, Hillary Clinton was, uh, was tripping all over herself yesterday. Um, I mean, not just verbally, like actually physically. Like, clip 14 yesterday, she was actually coming down the stairs. She was in India and she slipped not once but twice coming down the stairs. She obviously, I mean, she is less stable on her feet than my grandmother. My grandmother has 20 years on her. Uh, here's Hillary Clinton dressed in a muumuu coming down the stairs in India. What is she wearing? She looks like a hospital patient. Here she comes down the stairs and up and down goes Hillary. Down goes Hillary. Howard Cosell impersonation. All right, here she up and down goes Hillary again. It's like the Joe Frazier foreman up, and there goes her shoe. Her shoe. Both shoes are gone. Now she's walking barefoot. Now she's going, and she's got two people supporting her. My favorite part of that video, if you run it back, is that I believe it's Huma Abedin behind her, uh, and Huma Abedin does not even react. Right? Huma's like, oh yeah, Hillary does this all the time. <laughs> Remember when we were told that Hillary was perfectly healthy and all was well? No one, for people who are saying that the stairs were slippery, first of all, Slippery Stairs is a great Japanese show, but has nothing to do with this, but I just felt like making the reference. But second of all, 
I think that it is worth noting that no one else was walking down these stairs is slipping except for Hillary, <laughs> who slips twice and then kicks off her shoes. Yeah, but everybody who asked about her health was totally crazy in the last election cycle. That wasn't the worst slipping down the stairs for Hillary. The worst slipping down the stairs for Hillary came yesterday during an interview on India Today in which she slandered poor people and people in red states as well as other women. Now, for those who can't see, Hillary is actually apparently wearing Steve Urkel's pants in this interview. So she, she's, she's sitting there talking about why she lost and, uh, and going, did I lose that? So here, here's Hillary Clinton talking about, uh, about why people voted for Trump instead of for Her Majesty. If you look at the map of the United States, there's all that red in the middle where Trump won. Now, I win the coasts, I win you know, Illinois and Minnesota, places like that. But what the map doesn't show you is that I won the places that represent two-thirds of America's gross domestic product. Okay, pause it there for a second before we go further. So she, first of all, that is the stupidest argument ever, right? She's now arguing that basically there should be a per capita GDP rating on whether your votes count. So if not, if, not on earning, because the fact is that if you're a higher earner, you voted Republican. On average, Trump voters were slightly wealthier than Hillary voters. But she's saying if you're from a, in a high-earning area, then we should vote for you. So this is the difference between Trump voters and Hillary voters. There are a lot of rich Trump voters, but they live out in the hinterlands. They live in Texas. Uh, they live in Montana. They live out in a bunch of places that are not particularly high earning as a generality. A lot of Hillary voters are people who are not necessarily rich, but they do live in high earning areas like Manhattan or Los Angeles or Seattle, big cities, because uh, Hillary's voter voting base tends to be more urban. Urban there is not a, a euphemism for black, by the way. Her, her voting base tends to be significantly uh, more city-based than, than Trump's voting base. But that's a, that's a crazy concept, what she just said there, right? When she says that people are, my votes are more valuable because they come from areas that earn more. Funny, when Mitt Romney said sort of the same thing in 2012, people shellacked him for it, but the left is sort of letting Hillary go on this one to a certain extent. Okay, so before I go further, it actually gets worse for Hillary. Before I go any further, first I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Legacy Box. So as I have said many, many times, I think the most important thing, one of the most important things you can do in life is preserve your memories because your brain ain't always going to be able to call up all of those memories. You're not always going to be able to remember all of those wonderful times you had with your kids or with your parents. That's why you really do have to preserve your pictures. You have to preserve your videos. We've done this over at the Shapiro House with Legacy Box. The way it works, you go into your garage, you get all those old tapes, all those old reels, all those old pictures, and you send them in a box to the folks over at Legacy Box. You can put barcodes on all your materials so that you can track it throughout the process. You put it in the box, you send it back to my friends at Legacy Box, and they send you back all of the material plus a digitally preserved DVD or thumb drive. So you get all of that material back on a DVD or thumb drive. So if, God forbid, there's a flood at your house or you just want to take it on vacation, you just pop it on your keychain and you're ready to go. You've got all your memories right there on your keychain because you used Legacy Box. Again, all your old tapes, films, pictures, audio recordings, everything. They will put all of that on a DVD or thumb drive for you. They take care of everything and they provide updates at every step in the process. And you know, we've used it in the Shapiro house. I've used it for my parents. It's a really great present, by the way. It makes a really good Mother's Day or Father's Day gift. Over 350,000 families have used them. For a limited time, go to LegacyBox.com Ben and you get a 40% discount on your order. That's LegacyBox.com Ben and you get a 40% discount on a, on a product that's already wildly affordable. So LegacyBox.com slash Ben, you get that 40% discount on your order. Use the slash Ben for the discount. Plus, let them know we sent you. I think it's a really important product, actually. So you should really get, get to know the folks over at LegacyBox.com. Uh, they're at LegacyBox, LegacyBox.com slash Ben for the discount. Okay, so uh, that was not the worst thing that Hillary said. So Hillary starts off by saying, listen, the places I won are the more important places, right? I won the places where all the money is. 
And then people wondered why people thought that she was a tool of like Goldman Sachs and Wall Street. Maybe it's because she's openly saying she's a tool of Goldman Sachs and Wall Street. Then it gets even worse. She starts labeling the people. She says the people who live in high income areas, these are better people than the people who voted for Trump. People who voted for me are better human beings than people who voted for Trump. Sort of an amazing contention, but here she goes. So I won the places that are optimistic, diverse, dynamic, moving forward. And his whole campaign, Make America Great Again, was looking backwards. You know, you didn't like black people getting rights. You don't like women, you know, getting jobs. You don't want to, you know, see that Indian American succeeding more than you are. Whatever your problem is, I'm going to solve it. So Hillary, you see, Hillary's voters were just superior humans. Now, this is one of the reasons she lost the election. When you call half the voting American public deplorable, turns out they think that you're kind of a jerk. Hillary was the worst candidate in American history, and she proves it every single day. I just hope that Hillary continues to be on the public stage and Democrats are forced to defend her. I'd love to see Tom Perez, the head of the DNC, be forced to answer questions about Hillary's perspective on the American voter. But that's an amazing contrast she's drawn. And here's why Democrats, if they take this to heart, are going to lose. Because their view is that the people who voted for Hillary Clinton are superior, better humans than the people who voted for Donald Trump. They actually believe that the folks who pulled the trigger for Hillary are more optimistic and diverse and dynamic and moving forward, even though there's no evidence that they're more optimistic, right? Maybe more racially diverse. I mean, her coalition was more racially diverse than Trump's, but so what? And dynamic, moving forward, what does that even mean? That they wanted more socialistic government? She won the places that are more optimistic, but the people from the other side, those terrible, terrible people, they're just garbage. When Democrats say this, when they believe this, what it means is they're going to double down on the good people, right? They're going to double down on the optimistic, diverse, dynamic, moving forward people, which means the intersectional coalition. They're going to keep ignoring the people who voted in Ohio and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. They're going to keep just saying that those people are bad people, which is why they voted for Trump. And maybe if you insult them enough, they'll vote for you, Hillary. Maybe if you insult them enough, Democrats, they'll vote for you. Maybe if you tell them that they're beneficiaries of white privilege who are looking backwards, then suddenly they will resonate to your cause. But somehow I doubt it. That last line that that Trump's whole pitch and it worked with these people was you don't like black people getting rights. Name anything Trump said during the campaign or ever, as far as I'm aware, in which he said he wanted black people's rights removed. And don't give me voter ID. That's not a right. Okay, everyone uses voter ID in states all over the country. We use ID to buy alcohol. We use ID for lots of stuff. That's not a racist policy. He says, you don't like women getting jobs. When did Trump ever say he didn't like women getting jobs? He said, I don't want this woman getting this job. He doesn't want Hillary Clinton becoming president. But women getting jobs, I mean, Trump's relatively famous for his daughter being a pretty successful businesswoman, right? Ivanka is a very successful businesswoman. He doesn't seem to have a lot of trouble with that. I have, I have a lot of problems with Trump, but these are not the problems. Black people getting rights is a problem for Trump. You don't like women getting jobs. You don't want to see that Indian American succeeding more than you are. Who does she think is the, is the United Nations ambassador? United, the ambassador to the UN from the United States is Nikki Haley, an Indian American. And the two states that have had Indian American governments, uh, governors are North Carolina, Nikki Haley, and Louisiana with Bobby Jindal. Both of them voted for Trump in the last election cycle. I mean, it was, it was Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, who was making jokes about you know, Apu-style Indian people at, at 7-Eleven. And they, this, is all, this is all nonsense. And, it, and it's very helpful for Democrats because, again, they want to portray themselves as the better people uh, than, than the rest of us. Over at 538, uh, actually it was Vox.com, they had a whole article about how Trump voters are more racist than Hillary voters, ignoring, of course, the fact 
that a lot of Hillary voters are racist in reverse fashion. That when you when you spend an entire campaign talking about white privilege and how America is terrible and how white people have victimized black people all across America and continue to do so, when you do that, that tends to veer into racism very, very quickly. And it tends to veer into a sneering, snide, nasty, looking down your nose at, at all of these Americans, this sort of paternalistic view of these, these stupid people who live in the middle of the country. This is why Hillary Clinton lost. And then she continued along these lines. So she, again, she's looking for everyone to blame. She's now blamed pretty much everyone on earth except for herself for her, her election loss. She said that she blames women because married women voted for Trump. But why did married women vote for Trump? Well, they, they voted for Trump, of course, because they're little Tammy Wynette types, right, who stand by their man. The reason that married women voted for Trump is because married women voted like their husbands, and their husbands basically, they, the old Bob comes down from his, from his job at the beer factory, and it comes in and gets his whooping stick. And he says to his wife, honey, you better get out there and vote Trump. I'm going to hit you with the whooping stick. And this is Hillary's actual vision of how married women in the United States vote. Here's Hillary Clinton explaining. What happened in my election is I was on the way to winning um, white women until <clears throat> former director of the FBI, Jim Comey, dropped that uh, very ill-advised letter on October the 28th, and my numbers just went down. because all. And I heard a lot of anecdotal evidence about this. People have written about it. All of a sudden, you know, white women who were going to vote for me and frankly standing up to the men in their lives and the men in their workplaces uh, were being told, she's going to jail. You know, you don't want to vote for her. You know, it's going to be terrible. You can't vote for that. So it just, it stopped my momentum and it decreased my vote uh, enough because I was, I was ahead, I was winning, and I thought I had fought my way back in the 10 days from that letter until... Uh, the election, I fell a little bit short. And so I think that it, it was part of a historical trend that I was bucking and then it collapsed on me. Okay, that is not true in the slightest. Hillary Clinton, with regard to married women, won almost precisely the same percentage of the vote as Barack Obama or John McCain. Married women always vote Republican. Donald Trump won 53% of white, uh, I believe it was 53% of white married women in the United States. Mitt Romney won 52% and John McCain won 51%. So they won exactly the same percentage, meaning that it has very little to do with Hillary Clinton. Hillary is providing a rather flattering account of her own election. But there's some more here that I want to discuss, something about married versus unmarried that I think is going under the radar, a piece of data I think you should know. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at This Is War. So there's a This Is War is a brand new Apple podcast. Okay, it is fantastic. Okay, This Is War is a wondery podcast, and it is, a, it is essentially veterans telling their stories. It's sharing the personal stories of the brave men and women who've served in our armed forces. These are firsthand accounts of what it's like to fight and survive combat in foreign lands, Iraq and Afghanistan, protecting our freedom. The bonds that are formed, the physical, the physical and psychological toll it often takes on a human being, what it's like to return home. In the first episode, I've, I've listened to the preview. It's really phenomenal and, and really moving. And I think that uh, important listening for everybody who, of course, stands with our troops. In the first episode, you meet Ian Mearns. A month, a month before his senior year in high school, when he was 17 years old, he walked into a recruitment office and signed up. That was August of 2001. Of course, the world changed on September 11th. And he was entering the military under very different circumstances. You get his whole story over at This Is War, a Wondery podcast. So check it out at Apple Podcast or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Just head on over to This Is War and subscribe or visit Wondery.fm slash Ben. That's Wondery.fm slash Ben. Wonder with Y.fm slash Ben. Subscribe, listen. It's really moving and it's really great. And you should definitely check it out. So again, that podcast is called This Is War. And I think that you'll find it riveting listening. It really is fantastic stuff. This Is War from Wondery. Check it out. Okay, so... 
We are going to continue discussing Hillary's false blame uh, of the American people for her own awful candidacy. But first, you're going to have to go over to Daily Wire and subscribe. So over at Daily Wire, for $9.99 a month, you can get the rest of this show live. You get the rest of Clavin's show live, the rest of Noel's show live. Plus today, the episode of The Conversation is coming. Today, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. I will sit next to Alicia Krauss and she will read questions at me. Okay, you will be able to do that and ask me the questions when you are a subscriber. So go do that right now. Subscribe today. Be part of the conversation so I can answer your questions in an hour-long live Q&A. My conversation will stream live on the Ben Shapiro Facebook page, Daily Wire YouTube channel. It's free for everybody to watch, but only subscribers are the chosen. Only subscribers can ask questions. So to ask questions, all you have to do is log into our website at dailywire.com. Head over to the conversation page, and you can watch the live stream. After that, start typing into the Daily Wire chat box. And we will screen the questions and we will answer the questions live as they come in for an entire hour. That is happening today, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. Be there. I'm going to be there. So if you're not there, I'm going to take it personally. So you better be there if I'm wasting my afternoon on this stuff. Come on. I know you want to. Check it out and become a subscriber. That also helps us bring you the show, obviously. It helps us employ the otherwise unemployable derelicts who populate this office. So become a subscriber uh, for $9.99 a month. And when you get the annual subscription at $99 a year, which is cheaper than $9.99 a month if you do the math. Look at that. Brain power right there. Then you also get this, the leftist tears, hot or cold tumbler, the very greatest in all beverage vessels. If you want to listen later for free, go over to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Please subscribe. Please leave us a review. We always appreciate it. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast in the nation. All righty. So you heard Hillary blaming all of these married women who apparently listen to old Bob with the hickory stick when he comes home from work and says, get you out and go vote for Trump. Right? That, that's how Hillary pictures all these people in the backwoods of Kentucky, right? That's, 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 America breaks down into two groups of people. It breaks down into the Clintons and the Obamas, and then it breaks down into old Bob with the hickory stick out in the middle of Louisiana, right? That's, that's Hillary's view of America. It's, it's very much the New Yorker view of America. There's a very famous cover of the New Yorker that shows what America looks like from the perspective of a New Yorker. And Hillary is basically a New Yorker. Uh, you know, whether she grew up in Chicago is irrelevant. She's got the attitude of a lot of folks from New York. And that attitude is that America looks something like this. They chose a map of the United States from the New Yorker's perspective. And so what the map shows is here's New York, a lot of big buildings. And then it shows like nothing for about three inches. And then there's L.A. And up here is Chicago and down here is Dallas. And that's it. Right. The rest of the country just doesn't exist. The entirety of the country is New York and then the other coast. Right. There's nothing between the coasts. And that's how Hillary views America. If you are anywhere in the middle of the country, if you're in flyover country, then this means that you are a bad person, you are an irresponsible person, or you're a woman who's being bullied by her husband. Now, I do find it ironic that Hillary Clinton, a woman who stood by her husband while he was being credibly accused of rape, as well as multiple other sexual assaults and misconduct, that she's claiming that women uh, are subject to the whims of their husbands. Okay, no one was more subject to the whims of their husband than Hillary Clinton, who rode her husband's coattail to near glory before collapsing right on the precipice and falling down the stairs. But it's important to mention something. There's a lot of talk about why do married women shift into Republicans when they get married? Well, some people say that it's because they're listening to their husbands now, and this means that they are going to you know, listen to the whims of their husbands, and men tend to vote Republican more often than women. But this is neglecting another fact. Okay, here's the other fact. Unmarried men vote Democrat more often than married men. If you look at the marital status by gender, okay, these are the exit polls from the last election cycle. Among married men, Trump won married men 57% to 38%. Among unmarried men, unmarried men voted for Hillary Clinton 46% to 44%. So in other words, unmarried men voted much more like unmarried women than unmarried men voted like married men. 
Right? That's kind of an amazing statistic that, that unmarried men voted Democrat and married men voted Republican. And there was a pretty significant gap there. And you're looking at at least a 10 point gap. It looks like an 11 point gap between unmarried men and married men. Among unmarried women versus married women, married women voted 49% to 47% for Hillary Clinton. White married women voted overwhelmingly for Trump. Uh, unmarried women voted 63% for Hillary Clinton and 32% for Trump. So there was a 14 point shift for married women and about an 11 point shift for married men. Okay, which, which suggests that it's something that has to do with marriage, not just male and female. There's something that has to do with marriage that makes people vote more Republican. That is not a shock. That is not a shock. Part of it is that because mar marriage is a self-selecting group. So the people who, who choose to get married tend to be more traditional than the people who choose not to get married. If you choose not to get married, much better shot that you are on the left just generally, particularly if you stay single for a long period of time. But there is something to the idea that mar marriage actually does change human beings. Marriage makes people more committed to the future. Marriage makes people think about somebody beyond themselves. Marriage makes you feel dependent, not on the government anymore, but on the person to whom you are married. Your first line of defense is no longer the guy who works at the local office, but instead it is the guy who lives in your house or the woman who lives in your house. And marriage does change human beings. And I think marriage makes people a lot better. I think this is why marriage as an institution has been the bedrock of Western civilization. Marriage is vital. And the gap is not that women are getting married and then they listen to their evil, terrible redneck husbands. It's that married, it's that men are, are voting Democrat and women are voting Democrat. And then they decide, you know what? I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to make something of my life. I'm going to build a future here. And that requires me to, for example, keep more of my own money. It also is going to require me to carve out a certain private space in which government cannot intervene. It's going to require me to have uh, a certain area where I am capable of raising my family in peace and quiet. It's going to require me to have religious freedom so I can raise my family in principles that I think are important. Marriage makes people better. Plus, women make men better and men make women better. Okay, the, I don't think that all human beings make each other better, but I do think that as a general level, uh, on a general level, what it says in the Bible about a woman completing a man and a man completing a woman, I think this is right. I think one of the most important messages in the beginning of Genesis is a man shall, thus a man shall leave his, his, his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. Right? That's the whole point of marriage, that you become an independent human being when you get married. You break off from your parents. You break off from your paternal figure, which in some cases is the government. You break off from people who make you dependent, and instead you stand up on your own feet alongside somebody that you love, and now you forge a life together. And that has political ramifications. This is not to say that marriage is automatically going to shift everybody into a Republican, but it is to say that Hillary Clinton's simplistic account of why women vote differently when they're single than when they're married, naturally, evil men, toxic masculinity, is just not true. Men themselves shift on politics once they get married. Also, I think the general notion, by the way, that Hillary's voters are nicer people or better people than, than people who voted for Trump is just absolute sheer crap. I travel all around the country. I've spent most of my life living in blue areas, virtually all of my life, actually, living in blue areas. Strike that. All of my life living in blue areas. Uh, I've lived all of my 34 years, either in Los Angeles or Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, some of the most liberal areas in the country. And that there's no correlation between the politics of the areas and the niceness of the people. In fact, the, the nicest people that I've met are generally not in those big cities. It, it, there's a reason people don't like people from New York uh, or people from Los Angeles as much as they like people from Oklahoma. Right? Midwestern people tend to be a little bit nicer, a lot more cordial. I remember the first time I was in Oklahoma, uh, I, was, I was walking around Oklahoma. I must have been maybe 20, 21. I was guest hosting a radio show. And I was walking on the street, and I caught eyes with some lady. And if you do this in a big city, if, you, if you're from a big city, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're from L.A., Chicago, New York, if you ever catch eyes with somebody on the street, 
Mathis, what's the natural response to catching eyes with somebody on the street in Los Angeles? You look away, you look away right? That's, that's what you do. You look away because it's super awkward and it's really, it, you don't want to talk to that person. You don't know whether that person's going to pull a knife on you and stab you in the face. You don't know whether the person's going to scream at you. You don't know what it's going to be, right? But in the Midwest, it's a little different. So I remember I was in Oklahoma and I was walking down the street. And this lady's walking the other way. And we catch her eyes. She goes, well, hi there. And I, I legitimately pulled out my cell phone and I called my father and I said, where am I? What's going on? Why are people doing this? If you, there is a certain level of niceness that exists in the middle of the country that Hillary Clinton apparently does not appreciate or care about. All the people in the middle of the country are terrible people who are backwards looking and racist, even though, again, these statistics by poll data showing that people in the South are supposedly more racist than people from the North, those data are really weak. Uh, they really don't exist. According to Gallup, racism exists just as much in big cities like Boston as it does in cities like Atlanta, probably more in Boston than Atlanta. I've been to both places. There's a lot more racism in Boston than there is in Atlanta, actually. There's a lot more integration in parts of the South than in parts of the North. Some of the most highly segregated cities in the United States are cities that exist outside the traditional Southern Corridor, outside, north, of, uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line. So again, Hillary's generalized take here uh, is just wrong. And as long as Democrats continue to follow that take, they're going to continue losing the, the uh, strength of the American people and the, and the willingness of the American people to follow them. Okay, meanwhile, uh, the President of the United States is declaring himself vindicated on collusion. So yesterday, top Republicans of the House Intelligence Committee came out and they said, we're about to issue our report. Our report says no evidence of collusion. Yay! Okay, so this is where we're all supposed to pretend that Republicans were, were ever going to sort of condemn Trump, right? We're, we're all going to pretend for a second that President Trump was right, he was on the ropes, that Devin Nunes was going to come forth and say, you know what, Trump, turns out the evidence just was, was, it was against him. You know, we're just going to, partisan Partisan investigations tend not to come up with particularly reliable results. I'm not going to blame Democrats for saying, why would I believe Devin Nunes? Okay, and I'm not going to, uh, if it were a Democrat in office and it were a Democrat investigating Obama and it were a Democrat saying Obama has been cleared, I would say that's a bunch of crap. I, I would say that because it is a bunch of crap. Okay, in any case, uh, Trump tweeted out, there is no collusion, right? And he, all caps, he, he grabbed his caps lock and he really went to town. He said, the House Intelligence Committee has, after a 14-month-long in-depth investigation, found no evidence of collusion or coordination between the Trump campaign and Russia to influence the 2016 presidential election. I'm only yelling because he is. It's all caps. Uh, so that's, that's, that's true uh, for what it's worth. By the way, I've been saying for pretty much a year, I don't think that there's any collusion. I, I don't think the Trump campaign could collude with itself, let alone with Russia. I think President Trump was not even in touch with his own campaign advisors. That place was a chaotic crap show. I mean, <laughs> I know all the people who were involved in the campaign. That was not a well-run organization. Okay, all of that said, um, he's not wrong about this, but the, the tendency to, to credit the House Intelligence Committee with letting him off, I think is a little bit premature. You can see the panic on the Democratic side, though. So Maxine Waters, who is indeed a low IQ human being, uh, she said that she is depending on Robert Mueller to prove collusion. Well, she may be waiting for a while because I don't think Mueller has the evidence of it either. All I know is this. If he thinks he can stop me from talking about impeach 45, he's got another thought coming. I am not intimidated by him. I'm going to keep saying that we need to impeach him. And I am so depending on our special counsel, Robert Mueller, uh, to connect the dots so that he can prove the collusion. And of course, we've seen obstruction of justice just playing out before our very eyes. Okay, so uh, again, I think that if Democrats are relying on Robert Mueller to save them from their own incompetence, good luck with that. Adam Schiff, of course, representative Democrat CNN. Uh, he, uh, he's not even from California any, anymore. He's actually established residency at CNN's remote location. Uh, he just sits there 
all day. And he takes actual constituent calls from the green room at CNN. Uh, anyway, he tweeted out that this was a tragic milestone. He said, breaking. GOP just shut down House Intel investigation, leaving questions unanswered, leads unexplored, countless witnesses uncalled, subpoenas unissued. If Russians have leverage over the president, GOP has decided it would rather not know. The minority's work continues. So they're going to issue another report suggesting there is collusion. In the absence of actual evidence, it's just a bunch of allegations. Again, I agree with the president that this has been wildly overblown. I have yet to see the evidence that suggests otherwise. Uh, I, I really am not seeing it. So, yeah, I, I think that if Democrats are relying on the, the deus ex machina, if they're expecting that there's going to be some sort of intervention from above by Robert Mueller's office. I don't really see that happening. But the, the Republicans are not doing themselves any favor by looking hackish. So the House Intel Committee also concluded that the Russians were not interested in seeing Trump win. That's a fine, credible conclusion. That's, that's quite possible. Um, yeah, again, it's possible that the Democrats, that the Russians just wanted to intervene in the election to make trouble because they do this a lot. But it's not a good look when the House Intel Republicans are saying the CIA just got it wrong. So here is, uh, here's one of the House Intel Republicans saying just that. And when we release that report, we're going to be able to show, you know what, the CIA just got it wrong. Just like they did, by the way, in the Gulf War where they said there was weapons of mass destruction that we didn't find. The CIA is not perfect. They often, or at least from time to time, will make mistakes, as, as do I, as do you, as do any agency. And we're just going to have to show people they were wrong on this. Okay, good luck with this. This doesn't look hackish at all. What he really should have said is he should have said that there was a wide disparity of opinion among intelligence agencies about whether the Russians actually wanted Trump to win. That, as far as the evidence shows, is actually true. Right? But instead, he's going directly after the CIA. Not a good look. I just, I, I think that if you're going to tout this House Intelligence report as kind of the be-all, end-all, I think that you're going to end up in, uh, on, the wrong side of, uh, on the wrong side of everything. I think that we should wait for Mueller to come down with his evidence. We'll evaluate the evidence when it comes down. Otherwise, it's just hearsay. Otherwise, it's he, he said, she said, nonsense. Even some GOP representatives uh, are, are essentially saying this. One of the GOP representatives uh, is a guy named Tom Rooney. Uh, he's a Florida Republican. And here's what he had to say about the House GOP Intel Committee's announcement. They found no evidence of collusion. Senate hasn't ended theirs. Bob Mueller hasn't right. ended theirs. Why are you all ending it? Well, two things. For what I said last week, that we've gone completely off the rails and now we're just basically a political forum for people to leak information uh, to drive the day's news. So we've, as you, as you alluded to, we've lost all credibility and we're going to issue probably two different reports, unfortunately. So I, I mean, in that regard, I, that's why I called for the investigation and... Okay, so again, I think that, uh, you know, the, this, is, this is actually right, that the, the, the House Intel Republicans, the Intel Committee generally has been corrupted. There's no purpose to the process. It's just Adam Schiff and Devin Nunes slapping each other. Uh, it's kind of pointless. So we will wait for the other information to come out from the Mueller investigation. If Democrats are expecting that that's going to save them again, I, I think that that's a, a sadly mistaken state of affairs. I, I do not think that this is going to save them in any serious way. I think they're in serious trouble um, if they continue to follow the path of Hillary Clinton. And I think that if they're hoping that, that Mueller is going to somehow eject Trump from office, that's not happening. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things I hate and we'll deconstruct the culture for a minute. Okay, so things that I like. So we've been doing uh, books on socialism. One of the most famous books on socialism is, of course, The Road to Serfdom by Frederick Hayek. Uh, this is, of course, the, the classic on why state-run economies are a giant fail. We're talking about this in the aftermath, of course, of Elizabeth Brunning, the columnist for the Washington Post, calling for a revivification of socialism. She says state-run industries are just great because they're done for the benefit of the workers. Listen, there can be a state-run industry that is productive or that is run well, but not for an, in, not for an inordinate period of time because competition is what weeds everything out. The government itself has no incentive to be profitable, and eventually you will end up cannibalizing uh, your profits in order to please political constituencies. 
it's a, it's a really uh, fascinating book. Well, one, of the, one of the fascinating things about The Road to Serfdom is that John Maynard Keynes, who, of course, was, was not a fan of uh, free market capitalism in the extreme, he said that this was a grand book, and he said, morally and philosophically, I find myself in agreement with Earth, truly the whole of it, and not only in agreement with it, but in deeply moved agreement. A really fascinating take. Um, it is well worth the read. It's actually not a particularly hard read. The Road to Serfdom by Frederick Hayek, totally worth the read, published in 1944 when there were a bunch of folks on the left who were openly embracing the socialist program. Uh, it's, it, it has a historic role in the, in the revitalization of the capitalist movement, uh, which led to the rise of the modern conservative movement as well. Okay, time for, you know, we'll do one more thing that I like. I mistakenly labeled this a thing I hate, but I do not hate this. In fact, I love it. Tommy Wiseau, uh, the, the guy from The Room, has now done an audition tape for The Joker. Uh, and I will say that it is not bad. Like, shockingly, it is not bad. Here is Tommy Wiseau, the weirdest human being ever, playing the weirdest character ever, The Joker. What doesn't kill you make you stranger. <laughs> oh. Joker. It's simple. We killed the Batman. <laughs> Have you ever danced with a devil in the pale moonlight? Did you? No, but I did. And I did like the devil. I am not the monster. No, I'm just ahead of the curve. Okay, so here's the thing. I think this kind of works. Now, the reason is because Tommy Wiseau is actually an insane person playing an insane person. So it's actually uh, typecasting to a certain extent. <laughs> it, it, it all works. You put the makeup on him. You get rid of the accent a little bit, and uh, it's not terrible. So uh, he's better than Jared Leto. I don't, I don't know what to tell you about that. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. So Betsy DeVos is, uh, of course, the, the Secretary of Education. She was on 60 Minutes, and, uh, and Betsy DeVos, uh, made herself look uh, not particularly good. She was discussing education, the state of education in Michigan, where she was heavily involved in the education system, and uh, it was not a good look for the Secretary of Education. Here. I hesitate to talk about all schools in general because it, schools are made up of individual students attending them. The public schools here the, the, are the, doing worse than they did. Michigan schools need to do better. There is no doubt about it. Have you seen the really bad schools? maybe try to figure out what what they're doing i have not i have not i have not intentionally visited schools that are underperforming maybe you should uh, maybe i should yes okay so she was ripped up and down for this particular interview again if members of the press if members of the administration are not capable of doing interviews properly they probably shouldn't be doing the interviews uh she didn't know much about the state of education in the state of michigan uh some of that was a little bit of gotcha because she's the secretary of education for the whole country not just for the state of michigan but again, you should be prepped for this sort of stuff. Uh, and uh, it was not a particularly good look. Okay, a quick episode of Deconstructing the Culture. So uh, we haven't done it in a while, but it's fun to take pieces of pop culture and look at them and see how pop culture shifts Americans' opinions on particular issues. Well, one of, our, one of the fans of the Ben Shapiro show sent us a recommendation. So we will do it. Keith Urban uh, is a, one of the big country stars on planet Earth right now. And he has a new song called Female. Okay, he actually sang it, I believe, at the, uh, at the Country Music Awards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and uh, this is his performance of the song Female. This is, how do we put this, uh, propaganda. Uh, and now, the, if you want to be patted on the back by the critics, if you want to be ensure that you are not seen as a, as a bad, mean person, uh, then you are supposed to do songs like this. Unfortunately, it's not a good song. Here's, here's Keith Urban.
So number one, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of songs that have one note, uh, just as a general rule. But beyond that, the other lyrics are, when you hear somebody say somebody hits like a girl, how does that hit you? Is that such a bad thing? When you hear a song they play saying you run the world, do you believe it? Will you live to see it? Okay, I'm so tired of this nonsense. Like, th this is the part that's nonsense. Okay, first of all, women do not rule the world. Okay, people rule the world. Some of those people are women and some of those people are men. But the idea that you inherently rule the world just because you're a woman is really stupid. Just like it's a really stupid thing if it's if, if it's the opposite, that men rule the world. Okay, this kind of stuff is dumb. Okay, and when, when it says, when you hear somebody say somebody hits like a girl, how does that hit you? Um, well... There is a difference between how women hit and how men hit, which is why we have separate weight divisions for men and women. It's why men who are transgender and, and are trying to be, become women should not be able to compete in UFC with women because they will legitimately shatter their faces. Okay, men have enormously heavier upper bodies. It's just it's ridiculous. And then he says there, there's more of this kind of stuff. When somebody laughs and implies that she asked for it just because she was wearing a skirt, oh, is that how it works? When somebody talks about how it was Adam first, does that make you second best? Or did he save the best for last? Oh, oh, the all oh, the pandering, all oh, the pandering. It's just painful. Okay, I don't know who is who says she's asking for it when she walks around with a short skirt. Is that like a thing? Who's been saying that? Because I haven't seen a lot of people saying that. And again, this this complete misread of the Bible where it says that Adam was first, and then and then Eve was created from his rib, and therefore women is inferior. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that men and women are the same and came from the same source and that man requires women to complete him and that woman requires man to complete her. Okay, that's the point of the story. It's not that she was created second and therefore she was worse. If that were the case, you know who was created last? Humans, right? Animals were created before man. Does that mean that men are secondary on planet Earth according to the Bible? The answer, of course, is no because that's an idiotic argument. It's stupid. Right? God created bees before he created people according to the Bible. It doesn't mean that people who came after are suddenly worse off or, or, or inferior. I mean, this sort of pandering is, I understand, you, you see it in novels now. You see it in, in TV. Uh, there's the, the pandering moment where you just need that moment in the movie in order to get the critics on your side. Infusing pop culture with all this stuff just because critics are left, I think, is really, is really gross. Okay, we'll be back here uh, tomorrow with all the latest news. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Mathis Glover, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2018. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, let's say you were a stormtrooper and you were enjoying a nice meal of roasted Ewok in the Death Star mess hall. Well, all of a sudden you hear the voice of Alec Guinness saying, use the force, Luke. The next thing you know, the entire place is going up in flames around you. And it's at this moment you really wished you had life insurance. Make life insurance part of your financial planning this year. Start shopping right now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy and protect your family. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Luckily, Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies and their team of licensed experts. Well, they're on hand to help talk you through it. No added fees. Your personal information remains private. It's super satisfying to check life insurance off that to-do list. A good life insurance plan can give you peace of mind that if something happens to you, God forbid, your family will be able to cover mortgage payments, college costs, or other expenses. Life insurance through your workplace might not offer enough protection for your family's needs. It's not going to follow you if you leave your job. Head on over to policygenius.com right now. Save time and money. Give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Hold up. 